Well, it's good to be with you. It's taken a long time, as he said. We started planning this three years ago. And our really good friends, Roger and Daisy Maxey, who are members here, part of your missions team here, they're really glad that I'm going to move out of their guest room now after being there for three years. Well, actually, the truth is I have come frequently and really do go home every time in a very bad state. The reason for that is, I'm not talking about the state of North Carolina or Tennessee or Texas, I'm talking about the state of serious envy. I love this place. It's really much easier to get up in the morning and say, I lift up my eyes into the hills when there's some there. Um, It's just really a lot more fun. But I will say to you, I, I am so glad to be here. I've heard through them, seen what your church is about, seen how you reach out, And we're just glad to be a part of that. Uh, I think Hunter, as you heard, I have background in in being a worship pastor. All of your worship team, thank you. And Richard, thank you for the invitation, uh, the introduction as well. And we've just been looking forward to this for a long time. Let's dive in a little bit here. I want to talk to you today on on a subject, Act Like Andrew. And this is referencing when Jesus began his public ministry on earth, He called his disciples, whom he commissioned to what they do, to reach others. Then those who were saved reached others and discipled them, and they reached others and discipled them, and well, you kind of get the idea. That's why we're sitting here today. It all began with a man named Andrew who became a follower of Christ at the time of Jesus' baptism. Let's read about it in John 1, beginning in verse 35. The next day again, John, and it was John the Baptist, of course, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which means Peter. I would rather imagine that moment got Simon slash Peter's attention. This guy already knew him. And his own brother had just now brought him to meet him. And that's something that we should all have the passion and the desire to do, is simply to be followers in such a way, instead of just saying, let me tell you about Jesus. In this case, it was Andrew who said, let me take you to him, Peter. Simon, he didn't just tell him. He actually took him to Jesus. And Andrew is not one of the best known of the disciples or even most loved of the disciples. I would say that many present day Christians would number Peter among the favorites, the best known. I think part of that is because we see Peter's flaws recently on, on, on what we've seen through a wonderful presentation. We've seen Peter in all kinds of interesting lights, have we not? But, you know, it was because of Andrew that we know Peter. 
We might not know him at all had he not brought him to Jesus. The Christian in the 21st century tends to think mostly of the personal benefit of being a Christian. But Jesus at this time was preparing his disciples for the ultimate challenging kingdom service. You see, they didn't have anything like this. They didn't have a time to gather together. They didn't have in this way. They didn't have preaching in the same way. They didn't have, all right, we're going to go out and go together. But what did they have? They had Jesus who commanded them to go. We call this the Great Commission to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1.8, we read that he also told them just before his ascension, you will receive power. That word power, dunamis, it's our word where we get dynamite and dynamic. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So here's the story. Here's what happened. With these two biblical mandates in mind, 50 years ago this year, you heard it said earlier, after having taken a large group to Chihuahua, Mexico, at the invitation of pastors there to simply come share the gospel, Ben Meath, a West Texas cotton farmer, Gene Hawkins, Ben's pastor in the small town of Seminole, and other godly men had a very critical conversation. They were realizing the potential might be well beyond their scope, the scope of just their church. So Ben asked Gene if God was leading them to establish a ministry of sharing the gospel by partnering with U.S. churches, you, in another nation, the churches there, and that is the model. We don't go unless we've been asked by churches to come. Gene's simple but still profound answer was, I love this, if it will win some we should do it. He didn't complicate it. And from one ministry evangelism partnership in 1973 in Chihuahua, Mexico, to now seeing God's hand in ministry in almost 190 nations, this mission statement has been the guiding principle, equipping and enabling those believers that are like us worldwide to share Jesus. You see, Jesus' plan for sharing his gospel message was through the church and through individual Christians. That's his number one evangelism strategy. And there is no number two. Beginning with that one team that became two and ultimately many more on every continent, God knew what was going to be needed. Teams of Americans continue to go to nations all around the globe. We only go when invited by the church, as I said. They host us, they share the gospel with us, they prepare through, pr through prayer and are disciples to the new believers after the team goes. Many of you are aware that Daisy, Maxie, is not only our prayer ministry coordinator, but she is also frequently a team leader. When she saw this video, which by the way, students, uh, when I came to IC, and you heard him say, I, I worked at Baylor, had degrees at Baylor. I walked in the building. I was really, really very popular when I said this. I looked around and I said, we've got to get younger. A lot of people didn't like that. But I love the passion that I see in this generation of truly committed Christians. One of them, just recently, finding her real niche with us, created this video and Daisy said, we've got to use this. So you've got to watch quickly. There will be a test afterwards.
Okay, so like I said, there'll be people standing at the door handing you the test, so you, we'll see how many of those you got. and uh, hope you, you got them. Seriously, folks, it is an opportunity for you to go. Um, maybe other things that you choose today that you see out in your foyer. I know all of the ministries or most of the ministries out there do wonderful things. We just want to get you to share the gospel. Not only is evangelism accomplished on every one of these trips, but kingdom building exercise in and of itself because they also provide on-the-job training, sharing the gospel with those who are there. You might say that it's on-the-job training for the nationals because why? We see what's happened. They go and they share the gospel in their community and neighboring nations. As soon as this model called National Tenet, whoops, I didn't get past it, sorry. As soon as this model called National to Nationals was established in the 90s, the number of people who heard the gospel and made decisions for Christ just grew exponentially, dramatically. And now I'm glad to tell you that over these years, we have seen over 26 million decisions of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior throughout the world. Not bragging on us, just bragging on Jesus. And I want to tell you, folks, that, that when we see them get it and, and go into their community, they're doing exactly what we're asking you to do here. Oh, well, our founder's favorite two-word phrase is God knew. Over all these many years, there have been many testimonies about God's incredible, incredible faithfulness and his direction but I believe none clearer than I experienced on the Friday of the first week of the global pandemic in March 2020. Here's what happened. I was sitting in my office and just sitting there in my desk chair and realizing, oh my, we are an international traveling ministry. Dear Lord, what do we do now? And what do we learn now? I would hope, I'd like to tell you that happens in every one of those moments where something, a crisis occurs. It doesn't, but it did that day. Part of the answer to what do we learn was learn how to share gospel tools, gospel conversation tools in many, many ways. And we do that. I'll show you in just a few moments one of those and, and how we're training that's something that we have done not only for people who are going all around the globe, but of course for right here. And one of the things that we know, we, it was said earlier, is we have the world at our doorstep. You've heard that phrase, but they're all here now. I, this is free information. There's a book that we came across recently called The 3D Gospel. It's all about contextualizing, sharing Jesus Christ with people of different cultural backgrounds who have a different perspective on what that should look like. And the answer, therefore, also to what do we do was very clear. God said, you know, I see you've done a really good job with the Samaria and to the end of the earth part of this scripture. But how about Jerusalem and Judea? God clearly said, you should be doing something right here. So, that's what happened. We took the same model and we brought it back to North America and that's what we are doing now. It's the same thing. Go, share Jesus and use tools that are very, very simple. As I was sitting in my office the second day of being at IC, I looked at the little brochure 
that explains the Operation Andrew process. In case you're wondering, that came not only from Andrew in the Bible, it came from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association who used that as prayer preparation for all of those many crusades through the years. We're not directly connected to them, but we're glad to have a heart connection. And so then what happened? After a six months or a year, those people were brought to those crusades and you know the results, they're miraculous. Well, that's exactly the same reason why when our crusade is put into place and that is going into homes because people have prayed for them for six months to a year and visited with them, it's amazing, amazing what happens. I'm gonna tell you two stories about Albania because Years ago, many years ago, right after the Hoja, who was the dictator, was deposed, we, I was with another ministry that was a church planning ministry, and they went, you know, to, wanted to go to Albania to establish a church. I took one team from Texas, another guy took a team from California. We met at the airport in Newark, and a lady walked up to me and said, very point blank, hi, I'm her name, this is my husband, we'll call him John, and he's the one who does this kind of thing, I just like to travel with him. I went, okay, well, I, at least I'm glad you're here. Well, by the middle of the first day and the afternoon of the first day, this is really not what we were supposed to do. We were just supposed to tell people about, okay, a church is going to be built, but she is grabbing her translator and saying, let's go talk to that person. Let's go talk to that person. Why did that happen? Because in that moment, she released all of her fears that she had and the Spirit said, there was a song a long time ago, way before you guys, by Gordon Jensen, and the chorus was, you're the only Jesus that some will ever see, and you're the only words of life that some will ever read. She recognized that was her moment. She's supposed to tell these people about Jesus, and so she did. So, second is... Another story I'll tell you in just a moment about Albania. But you know, I think the nation that, that we're in right now, folks, is on the brink of either the greatest failure of Christianity or what I choose to believe may be the third great awakening. I've heard it out of a lot of pastors. The movement we saw recently at Asbury University in a small town in Kentucky, and in turn, was, it just spawned revival-like atmospheres and outbreaks on campuses all over the nation and some around the world. Movies like Jesus Revolution reminding America that an essentially dead church and a hippie-rejecting pastor once ignited a movement that became known simply as the Jesus Movement. Yeah, one pastor, one church that was willing to not only let people inside who had been shut out, but who literally moved outside to share the love of Jesus Christ in every way that they possibly can, in meaningful, caring, all about loving people through Jesus relationships. That was in the 70s, but the inspiration from that movie is now fresh. And other movies like that are very telling also. In October 20, 2022, research by the Barna Group, you've probably heard of them, reveals some very encouraging tr trends. Surprisingly to some Christians, I was even surprised when I read it. First, the good news. Recent data shows that Americans are trending toward spiritual openness. The Barna research shows that three out of four U.S. adults say they want to grow spiritually. Additionally, the same population say they believe in a higher power. 
Nearly half, 44%, say they are more open to God today than before the pandemic. Here is perhaps the not-so-good news. Likewise, in research was conducted by the Christian printer Lifeway last year, only three in 10 unchurched Americans, 29%, say a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one how a person becomes a Christian. Only slightly more say a Christian has told them about the benefits of participating in a local church or the benefits of becoming a Christian. But just for a moment, I want to go back to that good statement, that good information from Barna, where it said nearly half say they are more open to God today than before the pandemic. I saw it. I bet you saw it. Thousands of church-going, faithful Christians miss their sense of community during the pandemic. And the society in general began to have a sense of need for, for spiritual connection. So... That's the reason I'm thrilled to be talking with you today about that opportunity right here in Boone and in this area. Now, one cannot read Luke 15 without seeing the nature of Jesus and his love for that which is lost. Jesus, in that great chapter, said, was talking about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. If you're looking at it in verse 4, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Verse 8, he says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And finally, Beginning in verse 11, it it begins with these words, there was a man who had two sons. It's likely that most of you in this room know that as the story of the prodigal son. The son who took everything, all of his inheritance from his father and said, I'm going away, and he squandered all of it. Well, we know what happened. When he finally came to his senses, he, he repented, he turned back to God, he was going home and figured, well, I'll just have to, you know, do menial tasks. But what did his father do? His father ran and embraced him. And that's exactly what Jesus is wanting to do today for every person you know who does not know him. Take him and, or her and say, I, I understand, but you are my child I want to have a relationship with you. And the final verse is the father is explaining his actions to the good son. He says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. In each case, there is a search for that which is lost, a discovery and the bringing in of that which had been lost before. Afterward, joy and celebration was experienced because obviously that which was lost was brought to safety and security back in our place where we are. Jesus was revealing his love for the lost in Luke 15 and he was showing believers how to regain the joy of the Christian life and find the lost and bring them in. I told you a little while ago I'd share another story from Albania. So that was our first Operation Andrews style out, uh, outreach when we came to IC. So we go, and our very first visit, a lady took us to visit a lady in an in a apartment complex. 
younger woman. Obviously, in each situation, we have a translator. And since it was a woman, I asked Sherry to begin to share with her, share her story, talk with her. And then eventually, the middle panel of the little things that we use, they have our story and their language, and they have questions. And we, we ask them these questions, which are simple gospel questions. Starts with, do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus is God's son, et cetera, et cetera. On down through nine and 10 or that moment where we're gonna ask them, wouldn't they like to receive Jesus Christ? Well, all through this conversation, this lady is just listening, listening very intently through the translator to what Sherry is, is sharing. She was, every time though, when there was a question, she was, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I could feel next to me, Sherry going, uh-oh, this is not going well. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I forgot. I forgot to tell her that I learned those many years ago in Albania. In Albania, this is yes, and this is no. She had been saying yes, not to Sherry, not to 10 questions, but to Jesus Christ right there. Why? Because someone had cared enough for her, someone had been praying for her, and someone like Andrew had taken us to talk with her about our friend Jesus. You know, folks, that's, that's what's available to each one of us. In eras before our time, many of us, there was what people would call the hellfire and damnation preachers, that some were a little off, but many were right on with one thing in particular. They were ridiculed about speaking the truth of the reality of hell, eternal separation from God. It's, it's completely left out of many pulpits today in many churches and sadly, as you know, a notion of hell has now become the driving subject that's thrown up as, by many people in our nation as, well, that just can't be a loving God if he would allow hell to even exist. Well, it does. It's the truth. It's in God's word. And our nation desperately needs the salvation that is only available through a personal relationship with Jesus. You know, many of us, when something cool happens something that only God could do, might just voice the little two-word phrase, but God. Paul did that. He did it on multiple occasions. And in Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4, he said, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trans trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He threw that in there. He threw it in a little bit later. He was reminding them it's by grace and raised us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is really why we can gather here today. Because of God's grace, we have a story to tell. A gospel that must be told to our nation and every person in every nation. That great commission has never changed. You know, it's the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. In many nations, our own included, the modern Christian body has lost something of the Andrew passion for bringing people to Jesus. Andrew found Christ, and he wanted those whom he knew and loved to know Christ as well. When you read the book of Acts, you see how the church grew, not by addition, but by multiplication. Earlier, I talked about how many people had been saved. In, in 2019, the year before the pandemic, we were just incredibly blessed 
to hear that over 3.4 million people had made decisions for Christ. And people just were so skeptical when I'd say that and say, but, but you don't understand. That's not through us. That's not because of us. That's because of 1.4 million volunteers around the world who that year had been doing exactly what I've been talking about in their community, sharing. But for just one moment, let's go back and look at Andrew and see exactly what happened again. Andrew was present the day John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. He immediately believed on Jesus and followed him. That day, Andrew had made the most important decision a person can ever make. He placed his faith in Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, that may, not, that may just kind of roll over us. And when he heard that he was the Messiah, once again, we kind of think, well, we don't use the word Messiah a whole lot. We talk about it at Christmas every now and then. But for them, do you understand? They had that word, it, just the first part of what we have now that was telling them the Messiah was coming and there was that moment of, oh my, I see him. He's embracing me like the father did to the prodigal son. He's reaching out to me. Now is the time of salvation. Andrew was not satisfied to have something as wonderful as the Bible says, a friend closer than a brother and not share that friend with someone whom he loved. He immediately went to his own familial, to his own family brother, Simon, and told him he had found the Messiah and brought him to Jesus. You know, I would say, to complete the plan that Jesus has set forth for us to reach the world for Christ, we must become bringers like Andrew. But invariably, for many Christians, the conversation comes down to some version of these statements. We teach these in a little thing called gospel conversations training. I'm just going to kind of tease you with them here and let you see them because some would say, mm, I can't do that. I don't know what to say. I feel awkward. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't go to a seminary. I don't have a degree in this. I get it. If you thought about those 11 guys that were around Jesus, pretty much none of them had either. Uh, they were a bunch of goofballs. But they also listened to Jesus and listened to the call. I'm afraid to talk to strangers. Well, some of us who would talk to a fence post sometimes, all of a sudden when it's about the gospel, we go, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You remember I told you about the lady that would talk to people in Albania? Immediately, that's what was going on. She was going, oh, guess what? I'm not going to see them at the grocery store. I'm not going to see them anywhere. I'm just gonna tell them about Jesus. They will say something I cannot refute. They're smarter than I am. They're the theologian and I'm not. Guess what, it's not about refuting anything. It's about giving something to them. I'm afraid of rejection or hostility or confrontation. Well, what you don't do is you don't argue them into heaven. But you can in fact say, Holy Spirit, in this moment, would you please give me the words to say, but most importantly, the ears to hear. And here where they maybe would have a place to hear the gospel. Or sometimes you just, you just have to, as Jesus did in Nazareth, you just have to wipe the dust off your feet and go on. And finally, similar but my favorite, I'm not gifted in that area. Well, I'll just go back to those disciples. All of a sudden, because of the power of Jesus, the power of the resurrection, they became gifted just like we do when we accept him. 
As I said, we address these fears in training that we call gospel conversations. Several methods are shared in that, but we mention Operation Andrew as the process because, again, prayer is the game changer. It is there, it is everywhere, it is here. You know, folks, I love this quote from A.W. Tozier. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity, what a pity that we only plan the things we can do by ourselves. And then another person, Theodore Williams of India, we face a humanity that is too precious to neglect. We know a remedy for the ills of the world too wonderful to withhold. We have a Christ too glorious to hide. We have an adventure that is too thrilling to miss. I remind you, we're not doing this on our own. Jesus said, you've got my power. It's the resurrection power. And just in case I'm leaving this guy called the Holy Spirit, whose name literally meant come alongside to be with you in every one of those conversations, to give you the words, to give you the inspiration, to relieve the fears, to send you to the right people. Every one of those things, the Holy Spirit is present then and now. And he's keeping... He's just continuing to call. One year, we encountered this young man in China. I want you to hear what he had to say. After meeting you guys, International Commission, um, our thoughts, especially my thoughts, was totally changed. I was very uh, inspired from the, your passion to love God and the passion to share Jesus to people who don't know the Jesus. I'm a university school student. Uh, in my school, there are a lot of non-Christians. I didn't try to share Jesus because um, I thought that someday someone help, will help them to know Jesus. After meeting you guys, the someone is me. Is that someone you? I ask you. I implored you. I, I plead with you. Go find a friend. Act like Andrew. And bring them to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, it could be that that we have these fears, that we just think, no, it takes some other, other gifting, some other ability, some other, just whatever it may be. But Lord, you have said clearly you will receive power, and that's for each one of us. Lord, today, put in our hearts and our minds the names and the faces of people for whom we can pray over the next many months, and then take someone with us and go and share Jesus, or go and prepare to go somewhere else in our nation or around the world, not just to go and be with them, not just to go and help them, as good as all of those things are, but to go and share the eternal, saving faith, love of Jesus Christ with them, so that they too will spend their eternity doing exactly what we did as we begin this morning, singing worship, praising you, for you alone are God.
Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for calling us. And thank you for sending us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.